Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be discussing the death and final years of musician Warren Zevon. Warren Zevon was an accomplished singer, songwriter, and musician. He began his career kicking around various music jobs such as session musician, jingle composer, touring musician, and more. He struggled to make it big with a solo career at first, until Linda Ronstadt decided to record a song that he wrote. That's when he hit the big time with hits like Werewolves of London and Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. He may not have achieved the kind of success that some of his contemporaries received, but he was certainly loved and respected, both by audiences and his fellow musicians. In fact, unlike subjects of past episodes, Warren Zevon is more of a cult figure. That's not to say he wasn't well-known, though. Everyone knew him as a very talented musician, and a witty one, too. Fear was a common subject of Warren Zevon's songs, and it stemmed from real-life experiences. Much like his music colleagues from his era, he was into drugs and alcohol, though he kicked the habit in the 1990s. He also suffered from OCD. Warren was terrified of going to the doctor and rarely consulted one. His reasoning was not wanting bad news from them. The only medical practitioner he would consider seeing was his dentist, and even that would only be in the case of a medical emergency. To combat this fear, he exercised frequently so that he would be fit enough not to worry about anything. In July 2002, Warren went to Canada to play at the Edmonton Folk Music Festival. While there, he was experiencing frequent shortness of breath. This was odd because Warren had not had a cigarette in five years. He chalked it up to working out too hard. His manager, Bridget Barr, told him he needed to see a doctor, but Warren refused. While in Canada, he called his friend and frequent collaborator, Jorge Calderon, saying the breathing issues must have been from the high altitude and stress. Jordan encouraged him to see a cardiologist, fearing a possible artery obstruction. It took a while, but Warren finally relented, visiting his friend, Dr. Stan Golden, who recommended a good cardiologist. He even went with Warren to his appointment. While in the waiting room, Warren called Jorge and told him he was at the cardiologist, which provided a great relief. However, that relief was only temporary. Warren called several hours later to say that he had bleeding in his lungs. Further tests found mesothelioma, a rare and aggressive form of lung cancer. And not only that, it spread to his liver. He was given three months to live. Surprisingly, Warren was very calm about the news. He was told to spend his last few months to focus on his health and his family. But he didn't want to do that. Instead, Warren told Danny Goldberg, the head of Artemis Records, that he wanted to record an album and he wanted to start as soon as possible. He claimed he had recorded albums in less than three months before, so he said this time should be no different. Everyone close to him was against the idea. They recommended therapy, but Warren didn't want that. He wanted to leave his family some financial backing. He also asked that Artemis Records release a statement about his disease and that he planned to continue recording. After the news of his illness was made public, the media outlets that had always ignored him in the past suddenly wanted interviews. Warren declined all of them, except for Entertainment Weekly. During his interview with them, Warren joked that his goal was to see the next James Bond movie. At the time, a James Bond movie, ironically titled Die Another Day, was finished, but not yet released. When the producers heard his comments, they arranged for a private screening. The only time anything like that had happened in the Bond franchise was in 1963, when President John F. Kennedy requested a copy of For Russia With Love, just days before he was assassinated. In Warren's honor, his friend and idol Bob Dylan began playing Warren's song Mutineer in concert. 
When Dylan was scheduled to play at Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles, Warren went to see his show. The two met backstage, and Dylan said, I hope you like what you hear. Without any kind of introduction, Dylan then played a medley of Warren's greatest hits. Warren was extremely touched that his hero did that for him. Danny Goldberg and Bridget Barr were worried that Warren wouldn't finish the album. They weren't even sure he'd make it through one song. Goldberg mentioned that Jackson Brown had expressed interest in producing an album where various artists paid tribute to Warren by singing some of his songs. Warren hated that idea, saying that he wanted Brown to work on that album when he was dead. He wanted to concentrate on his own album. Goldberg then booked the first few recording dates at Sunset Sound Recording Studios. Back in 1999, Goldberg proposed an offer to VH1 for them to do an episode of Behind the Music about Warren. The executive he talked to said that no one would care because he personally didn't. Instead, the executive offered a Where Are They Now type episode. Goldberg shot that idea down and didn't even bring it up to Warren. Three years later, Goldberg reached out to VH1 again, and this time they were more compliant. Not only that, but they wanted to produce a documentary about the making of Warren's new album. Warren accepted the offer, even letting the camera crew follow him to various appointments. Over the years, Warren would occasionally appear on the David Letterman show, subbing in for Paul Schaefer, Letterman's sidekick and band leader. Letterman invited Warren to appear on his show in New York, where he would be that night's only guest. The only time that had ever happened before was with Vice President Al Gore. Warren accepted and flew to New York for the appearance. He had trouble boarding the plane. Warren knew this would most likely be his final television appearance. After all, he was two months into the initial prognosis of three months to live. The show aired on November 30th. The show would consist of a full-hour interview and three songs. When Warren entered into the show, Paul Schaefer and his band played Warren's song, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, which Warren got a kick out of. The humor and the chemistry between David and Warren was electric. The most memorable part of the show came when Letterman asked if his new battle taught him anything. Warren replied, not unless you know you're supposed to enjoy every sandwich. Letterman was clearly trying to hold back tears. After the show ended, and before Warren left, he handed Dave his guitar case, the one he used for many years, saying, take care of this for me. This touched Dave even more. Meanwhile, the album recording was in full swing. It was decided the title of the album would be called The Wind. Musicians like Ry Cooter, Billy Bob Thornton, Don Henley, and Dwight Yoakam all stepped in to provide backing instrumentation. Bruce Springsteen canceled his holiday plans to appear on the album. Warren began the sessions with his usual energy, but as time went on, he grew more tired. Warren outlived his three-month prognosis, but he could feel the cancer spreading. He was taking painkillers, but he felt that he needed real drugs. During one session, Warren was seen mixing an expensive bottle of scotch with liquid morphine. He also started drinking a lot more. If you're like me and you wanted to start a podcast, but were not very tech-savvy, you wouldn't have known what to do. Then I heard about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. By the time the holiday season rolled around, Warren took a brief hiatus in recording. Only a few tracks needed to be recorded for the wind, but some wondered if he would get through them. 
During his brief recess, Warren went on a huge drinking binge. His daughter Ariel and his son Jordan visited his apartment on Christmas Eve and were appalled to see the state he was in. Ariel wanted to spend as much time as she could with her father before time was up, but not like that. Luckily, Jordan was able to keep him in line. Jordan reduced his drug intake, brought in a Jamaican woman to read the Bible to him, and he even got Warren and Jorge to record one of the songs, Keep Me in Your Heart. Warren began writing that song when he first received the news of his diagnosis. It served as a goodbye song. Jorge said if there was any song he needed to finish, it was that one. It would be the last song he recorded for The Wind and his last recording altogether. On June 11, 2003, Ariel gave birth to twin boys named Augustus and Maximus. Despite Warren's frail condition, he went to the hospital to see the babies, renting a room at the hotel across the street from the hospital. On August 26, the wind was released to critical acclaim and high sales, debuting at number 14 on the Billboard 200. His VH1 special aired a couple nights prior, also to great reviews. The night it aired, Warren's friend Ryan Rayston came to his house. While Warren had been heavily drinking, he would hoard the alcohol bottles under his bed. Warren told her to look under the bed where she found no alcohol bottles. He then said, I fought too hard not to go to God sober. On the night of September 6, 2003, Warren called Rayston saying that his breathing had changed. He knew the end was near. He then said he really wanted a hot dog and asked her if she could get him one, just one more before he died. She got him small pigs in a blanket, knowing a normal-sized hot dog would not be good for his stomach. She also got him some matzo ball soup. Rayston then left the room for ten minutes to make some phone calls. When she returned, she found Warren sitting on the edge of his bed. Apparently he had fallen, but had somehow managed to get himself back up. Ryan rubbed his hands and feet and then climbed into bed with him and held him for a few minutes. She then went to the living room. She wasn't in there very long when she suddenly had a bad feeling. She ran back into his room. He wasn't breathing, and he had a very faint pulse. Ryan then performed CPR, but it didn't work. Warren Zevon died on September 7, 2003. He was 56 years old. A small private memorial was held where Jackson Brown spoke. His son Jordan then scattered his ashes over the Pacific Ocean. Throughout Warren's career, he received no Grammy nominations. Until after his death, that is. The Wind was nominated for four Grammys, one of which was Song of the Year for Keep Me in Your Heart. For the Grammy ceremony, instead of having another performer sing the song, Jorge, Jackson Brown, Ariel, Jordan, Billy Bob Thornton, Timothy Schmidt, and Emmy Lou Harris all provided background harmonies on Warren's original recording. A year after Warren's death, Artemis Records began work on the tribute album that Warren asked not be made until after his death. The album was appropriately titled Enjoy Every Sandwich. Some of the tracks included Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt doing a duet of Poor Poor Pitiful Me, a goofy cover of Werewolves of London by Adam Sandler, and live performances of Warren's songs done by Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen. But perhaps the highlight of the album was done by Jordan. He performed the song Studebaker, a song Warren had written but never got to record. He also included the song when he released his debut album in 2008. When Pearl Jam was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017, David Letterman gave their induction speech. At the end of his speech, he said that he hoped to be back when Warren Zevon was inducted. This statement was met with heavy applause. David Letterman is right. Warren Zevon never got the proper respect he deserved when he was alive, and we have to give it to him now. 
Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe and, if possible, leave me a review. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. Is there anyone you would like to see talked about on this podcast? Let me know and I'll do my best to get to them. Thanks again for listening. My name is Andrew LaPosha, and I will see you next time. Thank you.